Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. Now, this week, we're working on the production of this of another part of a wonderful interview I did with Tommy Carter. If you didn't listen to the first snippet of that, I encourage you to go back and do so because Tommy is a very distinguished professional in the world of soccer. And then now as an extension of that, youth soccer. He played at a high level division one at, at um, Old Dominion College in or Old Dominion University at uh, in Virginia. And then he went on to play for Luton FC in the championship in the UK. So he has a very interesting perspective because he's seeing youth soccer in Latin America, in America, in the UK, and he now works with kids. So that his perspective is valuable, insightful, entertaining, and I just can't wait to publish the next podcast. And this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. And Anytime Soccer Training is the most comprehensive online training application in the world. And I'm going to skip to the chase. My ask to you, if you're listening to this as a parent or as a coach, is to just get out of your children's way and trust that the program that we have created, they are going to love. And why do I say that? Because I spend a considerable amount of my time trying to get coaches and parents not to overthink this thing, right? Anytime soccer training, the average video is less than five minutes. It follows a very logical uh, progression and it covers every skill area. And most of your children, if they're in competitive soccer, have had have been asked to do things too quickly, too fast, or too long. And it is a complete breath of fresh air when they use anytime soccer training and they see that, wait a minute, it's 100% follow along. Wait a minute. It follows a logical progression. Wait a minute. The videos are at only five minutes. Wait a minute. It has a clear timer. Wait a minute. It has 30-second rest breaks, and it goes in 20 to 30-second intervals with 10-second rest breaks. I can do this with no equipment, or I can do this with a rebounder, or I have finishing drills. They're games. So the kids really, really appreciate what we have put together, and the best part is um, for annual subscription, it costs less than the gas money it takes you to take your child to and from practice for one week, right? Less than $50. And for your team, it costs less than a cup of coffee per player. So in other words, I'm going to go on a limb and say, if I called you and say, hey, hey, can I, can I borrow $5 or can you just donate $5 to a cause that I'm trying to do? you would say no problem. And that's effectively what I'm asking you to do if you're a coach listening to this for your team. I'm asking you to get out of the way, let them have access to this free um, this free program. And if they like it, if you like it, just get the $5 subscription per player, per team, per, um, per year, and they will get better and they will appreciate it. You will have a way to stay in contact with them. You can set goals. You can see that they're doing it. It's a wonderful program. Now, let's get on to the show. Now, this is going to be a very quick stream of consciousness show again, and I'm trying to drop these when I think about them because I want to add this content to the to the Facebook group and get you guys uh, discussing it. I want to discuss it. I learn from the discussions. 
Um, but also just practically, hey, just just get it out while it's on my mind. And this morning, I was going for my morning walk, and I li- and while I was walking, I listened to a podcast that I really enjoyed. And the name of the podcast was, or the title of the podcast was, "How Parents Can Raise Happier, Healthier, and Successful Athletes." And the presenter, in the in- the host, and the young lady that was being interviewed made some wonderful points right and they and i'm going to share this podcast because listening to the podcast will do it much more justice than me trying to give you a recap but the bottom line is it really boiled down to listening to your child trying your best not to put too much unnecessary pressure on them being nimble in that you reflect on what they want and when they want it and be willing to try new things and be comfortable with the fact that your child is going to change and they may not want to pursue a particular sport uh, for, you know, they may change and not want to pursue a particular sport and you and you have to be ready for that and, and just being aware of what you're doing and the car ride home, all that stuff that we as parents need to be aware of. And in earlier shows, um, I talked about how this is in the camp of general advice for parents, and then general advice for any parent who has an a, a child playing a sport, right? And that advice is important. But again, and I just thought, you know, I left thinking, you know what? Even though I've said this before, and some of our regular listeners know I've made this point, it's still an opportunity because we're getting a lot of new listeners to recalibrate on what we, what I'm trying to do with this content. And I, when I started listening to and looking for um, advice for uh, what I was trying to do, I noticed that the content that I was listening to was not trying, was not addressing a specific problem that I had, right? And even when some people sort of talked about it, it was from the coaches or private trainers perspective. But there, there are three fundamental reasons why you can't apply that directly to the problems that I was problem I was having and trying to solve for, which we're going to um, articulate and then talk about. Number one, your child has a degree of reverence, right, for the coach and a private trainer. For better or worse, they're going to listen to them in, in, on occasions when it deals with youth soccer in, in ways that they're not going to listen to us as parents. The second thing is normally there are other kids around and this gives the coach and the trainer an opportunity to do some things that you it's very difficult to replicate one-on-one in the backyard and then another reason it was very difficult the the advice they give the tips they give and the content they would produce didn't apply directly is because this is they're providing a service in most cases that you pay for so there was always this sort of dilemma there that some of this stuff had to be DIY because it would be prohibitively expensive to just use those folks. And and no one talked about the sort of DIY piece of it. Uh, and there are, there are a lot of other, other uh, uh, things you couldn't relate. So for example, relate with, so for example, your child may only spend three hours a week and that's if they're in an ultra competitive program with a particular coach. And then Typically one hour, maybe two hours with a private trainer. Well, that, and then when that trainer is done with them and that coach is done with them, 
they don't see that child again until they come back, right? And so we know that familiarity breeds contempt. Now, when you finish working with your child at soccer, you got to get into the car. And now I got to get you to do a lot of other things you don't want to do. So soccer is just soccer training in, in this regard, maybe just one of the delayed gratification activities I got to get you to do. But I also got to get you to take a shower. You don't, may not want to do that. Do your homework. You may not want to do that. Eat your vegetables. You may not want to do that. Make your bed. So I'm constantly as a parent getting you as a child to do things that you don't may not particularly want to do. Soccer is just one of those. And that just wears the kid down. So these are all things that you know the coaching community is they don't they don't focus on this and rightfully so why why would they try to solve a problem that they don't have right why would the trainer try to pretend like he lives with you and has to no it doesn't make any sense right but so so when i decided to create this podcast and create some of the content that i'm um doing it doesn't it's not well received in some circles because i have not articulated the specific problem that I'm trying to solve. And what is the specific problem that I'm trying to solve? Well, it's really straightforward. How, as a parent, do I raise a child, in, in, in especially in a youth co soccer context, that's really skillful, right, in a way that does a lot more good than harm, and in many cases, when they're too young to understand why you're doing it, have the discipline to do it consistently, or um, have the self-actualization to even comprehend how this is going to benefit in them in the future, right? It's hard to get adults to go to the gym regularly, and adults know exactly the benefits that come from going to the gym. Miss most adults who do go to the gym have experienced, at least in the short term, the benefits of what it feels like to lose weight and be healthier. And it's still hard to get them to do it, right? And they know exactly what's going to happen. So to try to get a seven-year-old to engage in the late gratification activities, especially as a parent, is even more of a challenge because not only do they not want to do it, they don't understand why they need to do it. And even if they did maybe understand why they need to do it, their personality is going to change so often every year that you still have to take that into consideration as well. And so this, this is the problem that we're trying to solve. Now, there is an overarching question that I'm going to dig into in future podcasts, which is why do you have this problem, right? So there's a, there's a school of thought that says, when it comes to sports, this should not be a problem for the parent because you should only engage in these delayed gratification activities, such as repetitions related to skill acquisition, only after the child has come to you and, and verbally or non-verbally, and I guess they're thinking verbally, express a desire to do this. So this should not even be a problem. The actual problem is ignoble in and of itself, right? Like, why should you get your child to do anything? They, they look at it like if I said to you, and even this might not even be a good example, but I'm trying to teach my child how to, my eight-year-old how to skydive, and the eight-year-old has not expressed an interest in skydiving. They, 
they're like, why would you try to get an eight-year-old to skydive if they have an that, That's how they view it. So, so we're going to talk about that. But they, they, there's a school of thought that says this should not even be a problem because the only time you should work with your child is when they want it, right? But even in those situations, we know that a child may, you know, understand the big picture, may want to do it, but but there's a reason why we as adults hire personal trainers, right? Because you still need someone to help hold you accountable and keep you consistent. And now you have options. You can hire a private trainer to do that for your child. And that's going to cost you anywhere from 30 to 60 to 80, $90 an hour. And then you're only going to get a very limited amount of time for that, of that person, right? Right. Because that person, I come to your house and do a 10 minute workout or you can do it yourself, and then we go right back to that those same dilemmas. So even if the child ultimately wants to do it, they probably need some help to hold them accountable, keep them consistent, just like adults do today. Even professional athletes benefit from having someone hold them accountable. And these people are making millions of dollars and have dedicated their life to this sport. And they understand the difference between what they're the 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 benefit of what they're getting by being good at this sport versus what happens if they're not. It's dramatic. You go from being a bus driver or to playing in the NFL, and even they get motivated by trainers who hold them accountable. So with our children, we know that's the case. And I might be rambling a little too, too much, but I hope you get that point. So that's the problem. How do I help uh, my child acquire the skills that I think are necessary to be successful in youth soccer at an age before they understand why we're doing it? They have reached a self-actualization. And even if they did understand it, there's that parent-child dynamic and there's a degree of delayed gratification activity that no kids um, or even adults for that matter really want to do. How do I get that right while not causing more harm than good? And why in the world, well, why in the world am I even doing that? That's the fundamental questions that we're trying to solve. And that's assuming you've already had that bigger conversation about why you're doing it. So now I'm going to wrap up to say, well, I have settled on there are three things that um, three areas that I'm look that I looked at in retrospect, basically, to help me solve this problem. The first thing is I needed a process that was transparent for my child. I needed a process that they understood, again, being transparent. I needed a process that did not overwhelm them. I needed a process that was adaptable for them. So I have two children, one, they both follow the same process, but it's adapted to where they are at, right? Um, I needed a process that um, didn't change frequently because once they got used to the routine, they kind of knew it. And I needed a process that gave them a degree of autonomy, right? And I needed a process that worked because there's no use doing all this stuff if it doesn't work. And I, the way I am, I, I first developed this process by just using Excel spreadsheets. I would go on YouTube, find the moves, find whatever I needed to do, put it in an Excel spreadsheet and just put formulas in and say, okay, do this move this week, boom. All right, now we're going to add two moves this week. Boom. And that was just a nut and then three moves. And then by the end of the fourth week, they were doing these five moves. But remember, they might be doing these five moves for ball mastery, these five moves for dribbling, these five moves for juggling. So it would end up being 25 moves, if you can picture this, or something like that. But they would have, but each move would be introduced one at one 
uh, time a week. And then by the time we got to the end of the week, by the time we got to the end of the month, sorry, by the time we got to the end of the month, they were doing like 25 moves and they knew exactly what they were. And then that was the uh, impetus for my creating Anytime Soccer Training and trying to put all this stuff into a format that other parents could use. That was the process. And that was the process I knew worked. And that was the level of autonomy that I wanted to give them because I needed them. And we're going to get into the weeds here, but I needed them to know what does a V-pool um, L behind mean and how do I execute it? So I'm not constantly having to have that conversation. But I also knew I needed to be reflective on how I on on how I impacted them, what I said to them, how they interpreted what I said to them. Was I putting too much pressure on them? What areas did I control? What areas did I did not did I not control? What areas were I were was I as a parent uniquely qualified to help them with and in the best position to help them with? And what areas did I just did I just needed to let go and let the coach or other people or my child take care of? Right. And I talked about that as well, but I had to reflect on that. Say, hey, if I get too involved in the game situation, they're frustrated. If I start giving, preaching them in the car, they're frustrated. If I try to tie what we're doing in the backyard to specific mistakes they made in the game, they're frustrated. So we're just going to follow this process independent of what the, of the other stuff they're doing. And then I set it on. There's some broad themes that I want them to accomplish each year as it relates to, to soccer. And then another thing I said is, and I got to give them space everywhere else right so they're playing um, basketball they're playing flag football i can't use that as some clandestine way to develop soccer skills and soccer i gotta let them have that right and when we are off we gotta be off right and i can't worry about the games and the performance and blah 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 now when we get into some of the problems that we that i have dealing with this and executing this we're going to talk about the fact that it's very hard to um, help someone develop this level of skill without that thing that they're doing being completely overwhelming. And I'm going to talk about that. And I don't have an easy answer for that. What does that mean? If you're a high level gymnast, you kind of have to wake up thinking about gymnastics a little bit. You you got to have that week kind of planned out and Everything you do, for the most part, in the back of your mind as a family, you're thinking about how does how does gymnastics fit into all of this? And that, to me, is something that scares me. It's not it's not something that I have solved, and I don't know how to solve it. It's kind of like part of the part of the excuse me the dynamic of raising a um, uh, ultra competitive athlete, and I don't know. And so we'll talk about that in the future as well. And then finally, um, it's insight. And I try to provide some insight that I did not see provided or instruction that I did not see given uh, to parents as it relates to youth soccer. And a lot of the reasons for that is because the assumption is the coach has this thing or the private trainer has this thing and, and they have all this specialized knowledge and just trust them and let them knock it out. And to some degree, they have their roles and you should allow them to own that that area. But I did feel like there was some insight that I'm trying to drop, some soccer specific insight. And some of it is uh, insight that I leverage from other um, other other uh, professions that I've had, like my management accounting, 
business, finance, all of that stuff, management, and just leveraging that education, leveraging that into a youth soccer context. So there's insight that I'm trying to give as well, right? And so in summary, um, when it came to solving this problem, I knew I had to have a process that worked for both of us. And now I'm leveraging technology and I hope you leverage technology to help with that process, okay? I knew I needed to be reflective on how I was impacting them. Where were the areas I control? What were the areas I didn't control? How do I have practice without the pressure? We talk about the third way, but we're going to go more into the third way as well. And if you haven't listened to that podcast on the third way, I encourage you to do so. Do so. And then I wanted to provide parents with some insight, some very specific soccer insight that I was seeing that um, at least I didn't feel like was talked about, right? And that gets into some measurable things that we look at, some very specific things we look at when we are working with our own child. And so I'm going to conclude by with this. So if you listen to content, <laughs> if you listen to a podcast that effectively says how how do parents, how can parents raise a happier, healthier, and successful athlete? Well, if you sports have some intrinsic benefits, I believe. Ah, it's hard to say intrinsic, but as close to intrinsic as you can be while you're in a while other people are involved, they have some intrinsic benefits. So if the question, if someone ever were, if someone came to me and said, Neil, my goal for my child is for them to be happy and healthier and successful in sports. Um, my advice is sign them up and do nothing. Like you don't have to do anything. There's a level of intrinsic value that's going to make your child, when they play sports, they're happier, they're healthier, and they're going to experience a degree of success. And then if, he, if I have to, if I'm worried about that, just find the lowest league or the lowest thing possible and they'll get success in that, right? So that's an easy, I'm not going to say that's easy because there's a lot of, um, it's not, it's, it's not easy if you try, if that, if you, if that's your goal, especially the successful part, and then you put them in an ultra competitive environment, then that becomes a lot harder. But if, but if I lead off with that, then I'm just like, put them in wreck and don't do anything. They're going to be happier. They're going to be healthier. And they're going to experience a degree of success. Right. What we are trying to say is we got that and we need to apply those lessons to what we're trying to do. But we are also trying to help them. Uh, and I talked about this in another podcast. Become fulfilled. Right. Um, um, uh, achieve a sense of accomplishment and then experience a longer and more rich degree of fun that could only be achieved through consistent delayed gratification activities. And I talked about this in a previous podcast. There, there's a door. Some people say everything you want is behind hard work. Well, that's that could be true. But in sports, most things that you want, if you're in a competitive environment um, or through a combination of instant gratification activities and delayed gratification activities, and you got to go through both, there's two doors, and you got to go through both of them to some degree. And what we're really trying to get at is how do I get my child to engage in these delayed gratification activities in a way that doesn't overwhelm them 
And then how do I make sure that they receive those benefits of going through the delayed gratification activities? As an example, I would not want my child practicing all this time and then um, and doing well. I mean, sorry, doing all the practice, doing all the stuff I'm asking him in the backyard. Then we get to the games. I'm yelling him every two seconds and he is not enjoying that experience. The whole purpose, the reason that we're doing all that practice is so that he enjoys this game experience. Right. So that's the problem we're trying to solve. Delayed gratification activities that I think are going to help him become more fulfilled. Um, this, I think is going to help him uh, reach a sense of uh, gain a sense of accomplishment, excuse me, and 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 achieve a higher and more lasting level of gratification that can only happen through that delayed gratification activity. And there are other benefits that that child will receive that are transferable to other uh, areas of their life. But here is where we want to dig deeper in later podcasts. You can do this without engage, without putting them into competitive sports, right? And that's part of what I struggle with because there are a lot of cons that we're going to get into that I struggle with. Overuse injuries, burnout. I'm just reading my list. Um, you pressuring them. Uh their whole identity wrapped up in the sport, the parent-child, your parent-child relationship. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, okay, I'm doing this. I have my reasons for this. But at the same time, there's a lot of probably less risky ways to doing this other than competitive sports. And that's going to be a segue into a series I want to do on, quote, unquote, living vicariously through your child because I don't think everything can be answered rationally. There are things that happened to me in my childhood that impact how I, the choices I'm making for my children, right? And that that's gonna be some wonderful, um, I'm gonna interview my parents and my mom, <laughs> we'll see. I'm gonna reflect on my own life and sort of why am I, why am I the way I am? And then I wanna maybe talk to other people and I'll probably even bring my kids on because I think there's things that happened to me that are definitely impact the choices I make for them that are not rational. Because putting your child into club soccer, it's not a rational choice. And we talked about that in the 1% thing. It's just not, right? You're fooling yourself. But there's, but not everything we do in life, and not and some people argue, many of the successes we have in our, in our lives are not rational. Creating a training application to help people do something the kids don't want to do is the worst business idea you could possibly have, right? It's a horrible business idea, right? Oh, you're going to help kids practice something that neither the parent nor the child really want to do? Yeah, that's my business. It's horrible. It's not rational. But I believe it's going to be successful because I'm solving a very specific problem for a very specific group of people. All right, guys, I don't know if this one made any sense. Um, I hope it did. I hope it helps. But the purpose of this show is really just to get it onto the Facebook group and have a conversation about this. And if you're not a member of the Anytime Soccer Training Facebook group, go to anytime-soccer.com and go to our community and you'll see it. Or go to Facebook and search for Anytime Soccer Training Parents and Players. All right, let's get better together.